1: We love Mother Earth and all of her inhabitants, and we show it through kindness and environmental responsibility. From ingredients to sourcing to partnerships, we aim for the lowest environmental impact while ensuring our milks provide optimal nutritional benefits. Plant Babies founders, Lauren and Alex Abelin. Valeria interviews Lauren Abelin. She has dedicated her life to researching and developing human centered solutions. To problems impacting mental and physical well being. Previously, she worked in the nonprofit sector as an emotional learning specialist, implementing programs in school districts, which helped thousands of children develop stress management skills. Her 10 plus years of experience in the field and her own healing journey managing a chronic illness have inspired her to address the issue of toxicity in our food and the state of children's health. She co founded Plant Baby and created Kiki Milk alongside her husband after their son was born. She is committed to empowering others in their journey to attain mind-body wisdom, adopt healthier lifestyles, and live the most enriched lives possible. Lauren brings to the company the vision, a health and nutrition background, and experience designing products as a mom. Meet Lauren at kikimilk.com. Here's the interview with Lauren Abelin.
0: In your own words, who is Lauren Hmm,
2: That's such a beautiful question. Um, who is Lauren Ablen? Well, I am uh, a mother and um, I am probably most attached to that experience in my physical form right now. And um, it's a it's a beautiful role that I'm playing in this moment. That is my greatest teacher Um I'm also, you know, a daughter and a friend and a sister uh, to, you know, my dearest friends and all of those things. Um, but I would also describe myself as a seeker. Um, I've always felt, uh, very spiritually inclined and have always sought to have a deeper understanding of the meaning behind everything. And, um, And wanting to really like feel the soul of an individual and to be of service, you know, before I even had words to put around all of that, which I've learned through, you know, many, many years of, um, of seeking and and learning and being a student of of yoga and, um, you know, other practices. But that's what comes to mind first, you know, is actually um, a, a seeker and and also presently very much a mother, which is a whole beautiful spiritual journey in and of itself.
0: Yeah, I love the way you described the experience of being a mother and the experience of life itself, and then how you brought the topic of spirituality into it. And when you say seeker, what are you seeking? Do you have a vision, any idea of what that is? Would you say a seeker of truth?
2: Hmm. Um, it's such, it's, it's such an incredible topic to talk about. And whenever I have spoken about it, um, you know, words really can't do it justice, but I also think it's so important to talk about it and try to give you know, language around it. Um, you know, I think that I, I have a really, um, a, a beautiful and a clear experience of what my childhood felt like um before i think you know so many impressions get laid upon us um and how it is to naturally be Um, inclined towards love and extremely present and absorbed in play. And I think that um, as we age and the ego becomes, you know, more solidified and we take on different roles and we start to believe uh, certain things and uh, really identify with those concepts, a lot of that natural innocence is lost. And I think that the seeking that adults do is to ultimately just get back to that place Mm -hmm. when we were, were, you know, Uh. two and three and four years old. And, you know, it's beauty as we age, the intellect develops. Right. And that's important. And our memories are beautiful because we, we learn from our experiences. And so all of that's necessary. But along with that, does come a a certain um, separation from that enlightened place where children just naturally live. I feel like we're so connected to source or whatever you want to call it when we come into this physical realm. Um, And so that seeking for me, at least, is to understand what I can do, practices that I can do and what I can learn, what wisdom I can absorb ancient teachings, current understandings, um, so that I can experience this world from the place of um, the innocence of a child, but while still maintaining the intellect and the memory and the understanding of an adult. And I think that in one word, that would mean enlightenment or transcendence. Um, But I think that that those words get thrown around a lot. And I think that ultimately there's such simplicity and it truly is our in, innate um essence. Um, and we just kind of get a little bit layered as we grow. And I do think that every soul's journey is is to end up at that realization point. Um, however long it takes to get there. But for me that's what the seeking Is about, And then I think more on a tangible level in this lifetime, um, seeking to understand what my innate gifts are and talents so that I can be of service so that I can enjoy this gift of life to have the opportunity of, you know, a body and a mind to, to be of, um, of some help to the world. I think that's, that's really where happiness is, um, Yeah. So thanks for asking that question.
0: I know that you are the co-founder of a company called Plant Baby and Mm -hmm. the product Kiki Milk, which puts a smile on my face again. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, I love that even more, that you are an entrepreneur. You have this gift to change lives which I don't see just you doing that on, on a physical plane. I can see that is the expansion, actually, of the spiritual realm just expressing itself in the physical realm. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love that. Talk to me for a moment about the inspiration to create the company Plant Baby and also the milk, Kiki Milk. Absolutely. Um, so Plant Baby is the, um,
2: the the umbrella company, as you said, and our launch product is Kiki Milk. And Plant Baby is a future forward nutrition movement um, where we create products primarily for children, um, but they can be enjoyed by all ages. We – yeah. And so we started um, – with Kiki Milk, which is a clean label, plant-based uh, milk for kids specifically, um, but like I said, there you know it's made for everyone. We just made sure that we put in the most nutrient-dense, organic uh, ingredients that come from plants, and we left out all of the stuff that is unnecessary that we often find in um, packaged foods uh, that doesn't really have health benefits and maybe could be, um, you know, a little bit less than healthy. So we made sure that it was truly clean label, no greenwashing and, um, just so nutrient dense because when I became a mom, I was so aware of everything that I was giving my son, if it was beneficial or detrimental. And, um, and yeah, and the inspiration is that is, is through the journey of motherhood, you know, I think that I had this notion, um, which now I realize is a bit naive and optimistic and so sweet that I think so many women have going into motherhood that it would just be really easy to breastfeed, that it kind of comes along with the territory. Um, but so many women have such hardship, um, and it's also, it's not very straightforward. You know, it's such a beautiful art, like the art of breastfeeding. There is a lot of learning there. And, um, and I think that, you know, I assumed it would just come naturally and I could continue to do it for as long as I wanted. Oh, if I wanted to breastfeed, my son's name is Alakai. I could breastfeed him until he's two or one or whenever I, you know, whenever I choose. And I, I really did not have that control over it. Um, I had an oversupply at first and um, I was producing like so much milk in the beginning that it caused a lot of um, indigestion for him. And it was a really hard experience for him to um, nurse. And there was a lot of crying and upset stomach. And and then my milk went into an undersupply. And during that time as well, I was working with my diet because Alakai had such terrible colic and um, he was having trouble sleeping. And uh, so the pediatrician said the number one piece of advice that he gave to me was, Lauren, you need to take all dairy and soy out of your diet. Let's see if maybe that's what's transferring into the breast milk and causing Alakai to have such an upset stomach. And I said, okay, no problem. I was pretty much dairy free anyway. And I, I didn't really have soy, so I just made sure to completely remove it, and it really it did help Alakai. So, um, you know, I breastfed as long as I could, and towards the end of the journey, it was great, and he handled my milk really well. Um, but then, around eight or nine months, my milk supply just dropped so drastically that I needed to look for a, a backup plan. You know, my Plan B, which was to look for an infant formula, and I. I think that that for a lot of women, for a lot of parents, um, feels like a four letter word or something bad, even though there's more than four letters in it, it feels like it's so loaded. You know, um, there's a lot wrapped up in that experience of feeling like I'm failing. I can't provide the milk for my child. And, you know, it's liquid gold, the breast milk, and there are don't get me wrong, so many health benefits, um, to breastfeeding and it, and it is so wonderful if you're able to do it. But, um, for whatever reason, if you can't, or you choose not to, I believe that we should have access to extremely high quality, um, very, uh, fresh, you know, wonderful infant formula, It, you know, and I was looking for it when I had that moment of honestly, um, like defeat and terror, because my child's not eight, nine months old, and I couldn't feed him. And when I looked at what was on the market, right, the US market for infant formula, I had to look for something that had no soy in it and no dairy, because that's Those were the two restrictions that the doctor told me to take out of my own diet, which did ultimately help Alakai. And so when I looked for that backup plan for the the thing that I needed to feed my child to sustain his life, the only thing on the U.S. market is either soy infant formula or dairy infant formula. And so my husband and I looked at each other like, I can't believe that there's nothing for us to feed our son. There's no plant-based option on the U.S. market. So my husband and I were faced with this challenge of um, not being able to feed our son anything that was on the U.S. market for infant formula. It was uh, this aha moment of um, we can't believe that there's no plant-based option, then curiosity. Why is there no plant-based option in the U.S. market? And then what are we going to do about it? You know, problem solving, troubleshooting it, um, because it's not something that we could just hand over to somebody else. It wasn't something our pediatrician could solve for us. You know, they had recommendations to maybe look abroad, look at a goat milk formula um, that can be more easily digested than a cow's milk formula. Goat milk formula is not allowed um, technically in the U.S. It is, there. there's no U.S.-based company that's allowed to sell it through FDA regulations, but you can import it through the U.K. or Australia or another country. Um, but that is often more easily digested Um, But I didn't really want to give him dairy because I knew that he he truly does have did have um, an intolerance. I grew up lactose intolerant. I couldn't eat ice cream or smell it. I had to take those little chalky white pills until I was 12. And um, so I really just I wanted to stay away from from that. And I saw that there were one or two companies abroad that had a plant-based, uh, infant formula. Um, but one was almond based and, you know, just through my own work with nutritionists, um, and I studying Ayurveda. I just really didn't want to give him a nut based, uh, infant formula every single day. I think that that can be a little hard on the gut unless the no- nuts are sprouted or soaked. Um, and, Um, It was and I also couldn't I couldn't get that two years ago. I don't think that it was available for me to even purchase and ship here. I think that it is now that one company, but it was a struggle. And fortunately, um, we live on a beautiful island in Hawaii, uh, Kauai, and we were able to work with our local pediatrician and naturopath. Um, and kind of develop something specific for alakai using raw local ingredients. Um, And he was starting to eat a little bit of solids. Like, remember, he wasn't one month old. You know, he was close to nine months old. And you're a little bit safer if you really couldn't get a hold of something like for the babies who – were suffering during, during this last formula shortage. I saw a lot of people recommending don't make formula at home. And I totally understand that. But in our circumstance, we were working with a pediatrician and a nutritionist and a naturopath, and he was nine months old. So you really have to consider your own, um, you know, the place that you're in personally, if you're ever faced with this challenge, um, And so we looked around and we had an abundance of raw coconut meat, young, raw coconut meat, high in fat, and really just so nutrient dense. And then the raw coconut water. And and then we looked into adding the hemp seeds and sprouted pumpkin seeds and all of these other incredible nutrient dense ingredients to try to supplement. And, um, and we were able to but honestly, it was so much work, Valeria. God, like I imagine. <laughs> the amount of time, yeah. <laughs> you know, preparing that. And, um, yeah. and when you're a new mom, man, the learning curve is real. Like you yeah. are mm. just faced with every day, like these small, but it feels like insurmountable challenges to, to quickly learn while you have like a life kind of depending on it all day, every day. And, um and I thought this just needs to be accessible like this needs to be a uh, just a readily available product for infants and for moms and for families in the US and internationally and I cannot believe it's not so we went, right into creating um, an infant formula, which we realized um, is such a, a beautiful endeavor. And and we are absolutely still working on that. It's our North Star product, and we're committed to bringing that to market. But it is a lengthy process where you have to work with the FDA, and we're happy to, and you, you need a, a whole food science team on board. And it takes a few years. And as we were doing R&D research and development around creating that infant-based, um, that infant formula that was plant-based, we uh, were also growing as parents. And Alakai was aging, and he was one and one and a half. And he didn't really need the infant formula anymore, but he he did really still like uh, to have something in his sippy cup. It was part of his routine routine. Um, And I looked then just at the supermarket on the shelves for a really nutrient dense, clean label, plant based milk that would be suitable enough to, you know, kind of transition him or wean him into just regular, you know, plant milk. And I couldn't even find that there was like nothing on the shelves. Cause I was looking for something that was, you know, specifically good for young growing bodies with sensitive systems and sensitive digestive systems. And it's really important what young children are consuming. You know, does it have good fats? Like, is it high in good fats? And does it have like a good amount of protein? And are, if, you know, if we're giving sugars, where, what kind of sugar, where is it from? Is it a whole food source like coconut sugar? Um, And is there calcium in it? And I could not check all of those boxes. And so we immediately realized we we need to launch with the plant-based milk for kids. Like they don't have this either. That's not even, you know, readily available. And it's beautiful to make it at home for sure. But what I quickly realized when we were developing it and I was developing it in my own kitchen was that that also takes a lot of work. And to hit all of the markers, you know, as we were working with the pediatrician and the naturopath and the nutritionist and the food science team, um, you really do need to source very well. And um, there is an art to it, uh, creating that that ratio and the blend really to get this product that is what I wanted it to be. So nutrient dense and complete a complete, you know, plant based protein and, and hit all those markers And I thought, man, this needs to be something that can go to school with the kid in their lunchbox. And parents are struggling as it is, like with being overworked and having not a you know substantial support system. And I just felt like, okay, we're launching with this product, and Kiki
0: Milk was born. I've been using coconut milk for a long time now, and I just realized by reading. the information on your website, and I think on your bio too. Not sure, about filters and gum, G U M. I mm-hmm. didn't even know what that was, and I noticed the milk that I have been drinking for so long has it in there. Mm-hmm. I just paused for a moment. What do I do now? I have to change that too. (laughs) So I'm thinking, the Kiki Milk will be it. (laughs) So there'll be my next experiment because I normally experiment with everything. But talk to me for a moment about the name, the inspiration for the name. I love the name. Kiki.
2: I yeah, it's I'm so, so glad that you like the name. And you said earlier it brings a smile to your face. And my my reply was that makes a lot of sense because we let children choose the name, and it made them smile. And I think that's why they picked it. We we gave them a list of words, and some of them were made up words or um, abbreviations, or you know, like real words. And the list was. 10 different words and every single child chose Kiki um, and they lit up when they said it and it became like a chant. And um, we actually have a team member on the uh, the um, plant baby who's named Kiki. And I was like, what a great coincidence. You know, it's, I think this is the name. So yeah, I, I, I love including Kids in the process of actually building this company and taste testing and giving us feedback. Um, because, you know, what lights them up is really and is what is best for them is my biggest concern and my primary intention.
0: So I'm glad that you like the name too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, interesting how it's almost like an, this energetic resonance, mm-hmm. there's something about it. So we can order on your from your website, but also on Amazon. Would you recommend one over the other, or does it really matter?
2: I think whatever is easiest for the family or the person. Um, And we're also on Thrive Market, uh, which is an online grocery store. Um, You know, I love going to our website. I think that you would get the most, uh, like, serotonin
0: boost from going to our website. Um, I absolutely agree. Yes. So I'll do that myself. (laughs) You also worked in the uh, nonprofit sector as an emotional learning specialist. I would love to hear more about that, Lauren, your background.
2: Yes, I would love to tell you more about it. It was um, some of the best years of my life. I uh, majored in psychology and after I graduated, Um, I got into the master's program of my choice, but I felt pulled to really, um, be in the field and work directly with kids first, uh, to have an understanding of what I wanted to specialize in. And this is over a decade ago now, but, um, I started working with, uh, children with special needs and working in the early intervention space and, um, through, you know, uh, learning how to, uh, give, uh, behavioral therapy assessments and work with the early intervention team. And then that went into helping to build the most beautiful nonprofit that at the time was called Yes for Schools. And I was a social emotional learning specialist. And um, basically what that means is we help children um, identify their emotions give language, be able to speak to what they're feeling and going through. And then we taught them tools to emotionally regulate so that they knew what to do with those intense emotions. And then, um, we taught them how to, relate to one another in a, in a healthy way. So communication skills, and um, that's where like the social aspect comes in. It's really fundamental building blocks of like knowing how to be a human, but unfortunately, for some reason, it is not uh, taught in school. And, you know, I don't think many parents are really trained in the field of social emotional learning because they themselves weren't taught it at school and their parents and so forth and so on. Um, but it's really, it's, it was some of the most beautiful work. And we went into public schools, private schools, uh, charter schools across the country, and we taught this curriculum. Um, and I got to work with thousands of students. I taught thousands of students, thousands of teachers. I helped write the social emotional learning curriculum, which is now more commonly uh, called SEL. And I see that You're in Long
0: Beach in New York. Is that Long Island? We moved in 2020. We are in Florida now. Vero Beach, Florida.
2: Okay. I worked in Freeport, Long Island for a long time. I did. And and I got to to really connect with so many children and talk to them about anxiety and um, joy and fear and you know, the full spectrum of emotions, and we helped them work through all of that, uh, providing breath work skills. And um, it was incredible. I, you know, I think that it really, that is part of my passion to A, be of service, but B, to address um, the holistic needs of the human. And probably because when I was growing up, I experienced anxiety and I didn't know what to call it. No one told me what it was, you know, and the guidance counselor isn't really there for that in a school most of the time. Um, And so when I became an adult, I just wanted to understand how the brain works. Why do we have emotions? Where do they come from? What do we do with them? How can we thrive? You know, so many questions and there are actually answers, you know, there are, there's incredible knowledge and modalities and tools out there. Um, and I just thought, man, what a shame that it's really, it's like mostly privileged adults who get to tap into that when they have some sort of crisis later on in their lives. But children are, are honestly suffering through, um, you know, the challenges of childhood because they are valid, especially preteens, especially going through puberty. Um, you know, so it was really beautiful work and I saw how, diet impacted mental health. And I, you know, and I saw how, um, breath work can improve the immune system and regulate the nervous system. And I saw children thrive, even though they were coming from extreme poverty or, you know, extreme trauma in their households. So, um, yeah, I, I really do view that Plant baby is somewhat of an extension of this because of that nutrition piece. I think that if children have access to whole food um, that is low in sugar or has the right kind of sugar in it um, with just really nutrient-dense ingredients, it can help their brain and it can um, impact their, you know, overall health. So yeah, it's always going to be a part of my work, no matter what form it takes, SEL or being the co-founder of this company. I really, I just, I have a mission to help kids and
0: and help people be healthier. It really feels to me as a calling as I listen to you. How wonderful to see that in in real life just happening. When sometimes we doubt these things, but it's amazing how life's constantly calling us. I see life as a it's almost like this a self-supported system. It's always trying to balance itself. Well, emotional healing, emotional health, that's a whole podcast in itself. We have lots of them here. I talked to tons of people about this topic specifically. And then listening to you make that connection between nutrition and emotional health is just like, uh, of course, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're doing that work in an indirect way, but you have done it directly, too, Mm -hmm. with the other work you you did. But it's also really beautiful to see that you're doing that for your child. So Mm -hmm. most of us adults have had a lot of um, trauma in childhood for not having myself included, of course, not mm-hmm. having educated parents. They were suffering from emotional distress. Mm-hmm. So, thank you so much for being this amazing, beautiful mother to your son. Oh. oh, thank you. So, let's see. I have lots of questions, way too many for the time, but let's see. Let me ask you another one. Yeah, I wanted to hear about your healing journey managing mm-hmm. chronic illness hmm. So, yeah, I'd love to hear about that, too, Lauren. Yes, it has been a journey at the
2: chronic illness world. I mean, there's so many of us who have dealt with chronic illness or are dealing with chronic illness. Um, ch- the stats now for children are one in three and some doctors are saying one in two um, children ha- will deal with a chronic illness in their lifetime that's devastating you know because a couple of years ago it was one in 4 10 years ago i think it was one in 5 or one in 6 you know so it's really it's rapidly increasing um my own journey with it has been filled with grief and confusion um that has turned into a fire to heal and understand uh root cause um And for me, I grew up around um, health issues. My dad was terminally ill for the majority of my childhood. He had his first brain tumor when I was two and they, they tried to surgically remove it and they couldn't remove all of it. And so when I was nine, it grew back. Um, And that neurosurgery was debilitating and left him um, almost a vegetable. He had to learn how to walk, talk, and eat again over the course of the rest of my childhood. Um, And so from when I was two years old to 17 years old, when he ultimately passed away, I witnessed um, probably some of the most extreme health issues that a human being can have. I also witnessed the most inspiring perseverance that a a human being can portray. And so, um, when I started to deal with my own chronic illness stuff, I, I never, I didn't even really think that I had health issues because to me, health issues were, oh my gosh, like extreme, like my dad brain tumors, or, you know, he had towards the end of his life, bone marrow cancer. He had seizures. He had strokes. Like this man really suffered and through it all, never complained, Um, he was really a bright soul on this planet. And so I didn't register what I was going through as health issues um, until I realized that I was ending up in the hospital a couple of times a year, needing like heavy courses of antibiotics or um, needing cortisone shots, dealing with tons of inflammation. My symptoms were all over the place. And that is when it coincided, I think, with holistic health uh coming into the consciousness of, of Americans and um yoga is becoming more popular ayurveda is becoming more popular you would, you know naturopaths were popping up and um and I started to see alternative doctors because I had been to hundreds of specialists that would just kind of bounce me around. You know, I would see my general doctor internal medicine that would have me see 10 specialists and no one could figure out what was wrong with me. Um, But, you know, I was in my 20s and all the test results, results showed that I was a healthy, you know, air quotes, healthy 20 something year old and I should be thriving. But I wasn't. It was, you know, debilitating the fatigue and the brain fog and the chronic infections, um, chronic staph infections, kidney infections, bladder infections, UTI. UTIs, you know, four times a year or more. And so I, um, I started to devote a lot of my energy and resources into understanding what the root cause was of um, all of these health issues. And it took... It really it took the last eight years for me to get to a place of really I think knowing what was wrong and having an understanding of what that what the root cause is and now having a regimen and a protocol to get back to health and to really heal um but it is hard and like my heart goes out to anyone who has a health issue or chronic illness um because it makes everything else look easy you know like being a mom now and dealing with a chronic illness, I think, man, if I was just able to be a mom without chronic illness, how easy it would be. And it would still be hard. Don't get me wrong. But when, when you layer on top of like your health, not being well, um, you know, it's, it is so hard and I have so much compassion for, for those who are going through it. So yeah, some of the things that I did, I worked, um, I figured out how to adjust my diet. I was, um, a vegetarian and a vegan for a long time. And, uh, some of the time I had to add back in meat, very specific kinds sourced very specifically, but most of the time was vegetarian or vegan. Um, and it really, it was really about taking out low quality grains, low quality processed food, not having seed oils in my diet. um, that have high, you know, inflammatory omega-6 that if you eat it every day is really not beneficial. And that's like the sunflower oil, the safflower oil that you will find in 99% of packaged food, even the clean label organic stuff. If you turn it around, you'll see sunflower oil or safflower oil, um, you know, and, and, and not everyone has to do the same thing. I think that it is so important. I think a lot of us really want to get answers through Instagram or they want to get answers through, you know, like a blog or a podcast or something. But you really, if you are struggling with chronic illness, you have to decide that it is your number one priority and that it will take time and money, unfortunately. And that um, there are doctors know that there are doctors, functional medicine doctors, integrative medicine doctors, Chinese medicine doctors, or maybe your own incredible, you know, allopathic Western medicine doctor is thinking outside the box and really appreciating these other uh, ways of medicine that did provide healing, at least for me, where allopathic medicine had failed me for a decade over and over again. Um,
0: Yeah, so it's been a journey, like I said. (laughs) I love what you say about it takes effort of all kinds, right? There's dedication, commitment, funds to be healthy. And I often ask the question here to some people, not everyone, about what is to be healthy really? Because I remember asking that question to myself a long time ago. That's when this a whole kind of new life change uh, happened for me. Like, Mm -hmm. what is to be healthy? I used to eat very healthy. I used to look really great, be in shape and look very healthy, but I was not really happy with myself.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: How can we describe that space of being healthy? What Mm -hmm. does it look like, really? It's a constant kind of this dynamic, ongoing journey? Or at some point, do we really get there? I wonder.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think
0: that there
2: are different forms of health. There's mental health, there's physical health, there's spiritual health. And um, I think that at any given time, one may be flourishing, thriving, and and maybe the other two aren't or, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, I think when all three are supported and thriving. That to me is, you know, a healthy space. And I do think that health is a spectrum. Um, uh, I think our spiritual practices absolutely impact our mental and our physical health. So that for me, and I can only speak for me, is the foundation. So which helped me considerably through my chronic illness journey, I think I would have been way worse off and uh, on even more antibiotics and in the hospital, even more if I didn't have my breath work practice um, that I've been doing for the last almost 10 years now, um, which does boost the immune system. And the specific one that I do is called Sudarshan Kriya through the art of living. And that has so much research behind it. I mean, some of the best neuroscientists and doctors uh, across the U S and beyond into India and Germany, they have studied it extensively and it increases vagal tones. So, um, impacts the vagus nerve and the health of that, which is so important for, you know, the parasympathetic, uh, aspect of our nervous system which is directly related to immune system health and whether our immune system is strong or not and so I carve 30 minutes out in the morning uh, to do that breath work and that impacts how my mental health and my physical health operate for the rest of the day so um and you know mental health is is it is a tricky thing because um I think that a lot of us struggle with anxiety and we struggle with the pace of the world and we struggle with the news that we hear and are often inundated by um, and it i at least for me i have experienced mental health issues when my dad passed i was diagnosed with ptsd and in generalized anxiety disorder i have been clinically depressed and through I, you know I was privileged privileged enough to be able to when I was in uh, my late teens early 20s uh, to have the time and the I was exposed to yoga and breath work so instead of immediately leaning on to medication which is so important at certain moments and can be vital for people I was able to not medicate myself and I was able to heal the PTSD, heal the generalized anxiety disorder and the clinical depression through extensive breath work practices and meditation and just in years of repeating that. Um, So it really, it's all interconnected. And, um, and I think that, you know, our world is not currently really set up for our health in any of those three aspects to thrive. (laughs) It's such a shame, but it really, it really like just our daily existence being exp- exposed to blue light from tech and screens all day to the the air pollution and the water pollution, um, just the toxic load that our body experiences on a daily basis, through, you know, the artificial fragrance that's in hand soap or our body wash, our shampoo, the parabens, the, you know, like the list goes on and on, and then the mental toxic load that we experience from just the climate of the time that we're in, the fear of the pandemic, the the political divisiveness, all of those things, um, you know, impact our mental and our spiritual health, which then it's the cycle I'm talking about impacts our physical health, and it goes round and around. So unless you stop it, unless you pause and you really assess, um, you know, and observe from a zoomed out, perspective of your life and you're like okay what is my toxic load look like in these three areas physical mental and spiritual and how can I adjust it and a lot of it is honestly free it doesn't have to immediately to be go to a doctor go find a naturopath spend two hundred dollars no a lot of it is free a lot of it is how much blue light are you letting into your eyes early in the morning and late at night are you able to be barefoot on the ground at all during the day to go outside? Are you, you know, are you able to filter your water, you know, are you maybe, you know, change your diet and it can cost the same if you eliminate rather than just continue to eat so much processed food, but try to buy organic fruit at the same time, best to eliminate. So anyway, those are some of the, those are some of the insights that I've gained over the last decade
0: of, of really um, dedicating my life to healing. I love your wisdom and I love how generous you are to to pass on this information. How wonderful. When you speak of healing, when you say that word, when I say that word, when I, I see it, it feels like it's something that is actually very simple. I know it's not easy, but it really, it can be easy. A lot of what healing has to do with is stop doing what we are doing to cause the diseases and the problems. And I know a lot of it we don't have control of, as you said, the environment and all the toxicity everywhere. But there are some things that we can do that can make a huge change. And I love what you mentioned about the the spiritual component. That has made a huge difference for me, too. Every time I find myself uh, overloaded with whatever it is, I just go back to the present moment. Thank you so much, Lauren, for your presence in this reality. It's uh, very much needed.
2: Thank you, Valeria, you're such an angel, your conversations um, with so many of us really do have a ripple effect, like I mentioned to you before, and are important, you know, that we speak all of this into the reality, I do think it makes a difference.
0: It really feels to me that it does, although I do know that everything ah, is just perfect the way it is. (laughs) It goes back to that unconditional love, unconditional presence that I can feel everywhere. That's such an amazing balance, isn't it? Dance, I call it. It's like Mm -hmm. seeing the perfection, the imperfection, and uh, and just letting them be. (laughs) Lauren, we didn't talk about the ingredients. Oh, you did mention earlier. Oh, you did, you did, actually. have in front of me here. I was impressed by the ingredients in the Mm -hmm. kiki milk. Mm-hmm. All great ones, oats, filtered water, of course, and then oats, which I, I have almost every day, uh, organic oats, uh, hemp seeds, sprouted pumpkin seeds, organic coconuts, coconut sugar. So all the good stuff is in it. So before we say goodbye for today, I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But if we left if anything unsaid, please let me know. I would love to hear anything that we didn't have a chance to talk about today. Does anything else you want to say before we say goodbye?
2: Just one note on the ingredients. I'm so passionate about obviously what we put in there and intentional about what we don't include. Like you said, we don't put gums or emulsifiers in there. We don't add any artificial flavor, of course, but we also don't add any natural flavors, um, We just uh, put up a post on our Instagram going into a deep dive. Why don't we use natural flavors? Um, You know, and there's so many reasons why we don't use natural flavors, but essentially they can be derived from a natural source. And then one to over 100 chemicals can be added into it to change the taste and kind of. It alerts the part of the brain that wants to eat more. Um, so it's ultimately at the end, not natural. It's not a whole food ingredient. Um, and there, and I, I bring up natural flavors because they are in so many other plant-based milks and they don't have to be, you know, I think that we should just get back to being, you know, simple back to basics. If, if you have an abundance of whole food ingredients, like if you have an oat milk and there are uh, our oats are glyphosate-free. We third-party lab test all of our ingredients to make sure there's no glyphosate, which is essentially um, it's weed killer, a Roundup, which has been Roundup, which has been linked to cancer, and a huge article just came out about it. But we're one of the only companies that third-party lab tests to make absolute sure, even though we're certified organic, that there's no residual. Um, pesticides in our product, especially not glyphosate. So we actually have a glyphosate free certification, which is extremely rare. Um, But if you, you know, if you have an oat milk, if you're buying oat milk and that producer, if that company put a substantial amount of oats in there, if they put real whole food oats in there, they wouldn't need to put natural flavors in there really. And they wouldn't need to put emulsifiers in there because there would be enough food in the in the milk that it would taste good but i've seen you know through the behind the scenes i've learned so much through building this company and working with food scientists and making this product in my kitchen and and honestly saying no to a lot of people a lot of the experts in the field saying no i'm not going to add an emulsifier no i'm not going to add a gum no they have been shown to cause inflammation in the gut and gastrointestinal stress it's not necessary You know, it just, it would be a way for us to cut corners because we would, we would be able to use less food. We would use less oats. We would put less seeds in there, which means what? means that it costs less money for us to make, but we would still charge you the same price and then just put gums in it to build up the texture and then natural flavors to make it taste like there's food in there, but it's a cheaper product for us to make, but it's not as good for your health. So there's a line in the sand for me. It was it's absolutely not. That's, it goes, that's the antithesis of why I created this. I want there to be as much food in this product as possible. And hey, it turns out when you have really high quality nutrient dense ingredients, your product ends up tasting really good. <laughs> and it has a lot of texture in it. You don't need gums. You don't need emulsifiers. You don't need natural flavors, you know? And um, and we go beyond that and we boost it with superfoods like amla, Indian gooseberry, high in vitamin C, banana, aquaman, which is seaweed, which gives you calcium. And our chocolate milk, we put in spinach and blueberries because why not? It's what I would do for my own child when I'm making chocolate milk. Can I hide blueberry powder in there? Yes, I can. So I'm going to put it in kiki milk so all of your kids get
0: you know, the additional boost. Oh, my God. I love everything about it. I can't wait to try it, though. Yeah, yeah.
2: And it tastes so good. Let me know how you like it.
0: I will. I love, love (sighs) the way you have created this company, the product, everything, because it's that spiritual peace in you that is um, very much telling you (laughs) that everything is connected. Whatever we do to ourselves, to others, we are doing to ourselves you're very much aware of the interconnectedness of everything. Thank you so much again, Lauren. Thank you, Valeria. Thanks for having me on. This is so special. And before we say goodbye, goodbye for now, uh, where can we find more information about you and the products and future projects as well? Yep, absolutely.
2: Uh, We have our website, which is kikimilk.com. You can always go to our Instagram, which I... um, I'm the one who is often, you know, running that and posting it. So you'll find a lot of what I'm talking about and sharing with you on this podcast on our Instagram, which is Kiki Milk Co. Um, And, you know, we're we're constantly innovating. So we're going to be releasing three new products, hopefully within the next six months plus. And and we share a lot about overall health, too, you know, explaining, uh, you know, what is glyphosate and and why do you need to watch out for it talking about natural flavors talking about emulsifiers um you know so i think that i think it's going to be if you did go on our instagram it it would be beneficial and, and not draining because i know that social media is a space that you know at least i'm really careful of what energy i'm letting in to my eyes and my brain all day every day and i and i hope that you know anything any content we put out there i'm i'm really intentional about making it joyful
0: and informative and useful and worth your time i'll have the link on your podcast profile the website link and i don't have the instagram with me, if you can send it by sure. email, yeah, that'll be really helpful. So I can add the specific handle. I do have a, a last, last, last question for you. What is another word for life, Lauren? I would say essence.
2: Um, I think life is everything. It's every molecule. It's what is unseen and seen that is constantly vibrating and um, it is the essence of everything you know the life in the wood of the table or in the plastic toy it's when you look up at the stars it's the life force in our body that you can't fully touch but it's also the skin that you can touch so it's I guess the essence of everything
0: Yes. A trillion times to that. (laughs) The everything, the essence of everything. Yes. Thank you so much again for your presence here today, for everything that you do, for the wisdom that you share, for your generosity and everything else in between. Thank you.
2: Right back at you. Thank you.
0: Bye for now, Lauren. We'll talk soon. Bye, Valeria. Blessings.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Lauren Abelin and her work, please visit kikimilk.com.
0: To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.